0: Hello, everybody. I am here. I don't don't, don't even know. It's me. Isn't that what I usually say? It's me. Um, I wonder if I'll ever not start this podcast in an awkward way. Wait, never not start. I wonder if I'll ever not start. Yeah, I wonder if I'll ever not start this podcast in an awkward way. What's a better way of saying that? I wonder if I'll ever start this podcast without being awkward. Whew. I guess not. So uh, let's get right down to things. I was inspired today because I am setting aside one day a week to do writing. Uh, I'm using an ADHD coach, everybody. And if you have ADHD and are listening to this and have always wondered what that is, you've seen it before, you've probably heard about it, and you may even know about them and what they do. Um, I was the latter. I knew about them. I knew what they did. I just kind of didn't really see how it could help me right now in my life. Of course, nothing could be further from the truth. And I am now working with one. And she has helped me um, figure out how to structure parts of my week so that I can actually set aside meaningful time to write. And this podcast is the result of those things that I've put in place. Um, And today I wanted to talk a lot about intuition um, because I've been listening a lot to various podcasts regarding a woman's inner knowing, um, a woman's ability to sort of feel their way through situations um, and more or less the uh, the way we often question our intuition um and why so today i kind of wanted to dig in a little bit to um ADHD and intuition because anyone that I've spoken with who also has ADHD usually talks about that aspect of their life. It can come up actually quite easily in conversation between people with ADHD because it's kind of a guiding force in our life for both good and not so good. I would almost call it a magical gift, but kind of a curse At the same time, you know, like it's the thing that allows us to sort of connect on deeper levels with lots of different people, but it can also be the thing that seemingly holds us back from a life a really meaningful life of our own. So what I mean is ADHD brains are often super feelers. I I have a lot of big feelings. I have a hard time with emotional regulation. Even at my age, it can be difficult for me to rein in uh, my feelings and my emotions around those feelings. So I often notice that compared to people my age, I can sort of see that the way I respond internally or even externally to things um, seems to be much more heightened than most neurotypical people I know. Or, you know, at least I assume they're neurotypical. I can walk into most rooms and I can sense the energy in the room. And that's something I've heard many ADHDers say. Uh, I, I can't really articulate why the feeling exists or the energy exists or even maybe find the root of it, but I can definitely sense it. I can feel it. And I think we are so connected to energy because our senses are usually on hyper mode. I have an attentive ADHD, which is such a misnomer, you know? It was labeled that because people with this set of symptoms typically find it difficult to stay focused on something. Um, But really that's like half-baked because it just depends on what we're expected to stay focused on, you know? We have an interest-based nervous system. So our nervous system kind of responds to things that provide us dopamine, dopamine you know whatever we're interested in so our our five senses are are always on sort of hypersensitive mode because we're searching and this is all um uh subconscious but they're always searching for input that will provide us with dopamine we have very low resting dopamine levels um That's been proven through uh, scientific research. And since dopamine is pretty necessary for motivation in life and, you know, we need to find ways of boosting our own levels up to what is probably considered normal just so we can function, you know, just so we can kind of get going with our day. Um, Because think about it. If we're, kind of resting below the normal levels of dopamine which is a happy hormone you know it can pre it can feel pretty difficult to kind of start your day which is why so many undiagnosed women have usually been diagnosed previously in their lives with depression or depression and anxiety you know because we just Feel like we can't do anything we're not motivated, we can't seem to put one foot in front of the other and really it's a it is a lack of dopamine, which is a happy hormone, but it's not actual clinical depression it's that we have an an interest based nervous system, and most often the interests we have are not aligned with the life skills we need to have. To sort of be able to function at what you would say is efficient levels, you know? The good news is that our brains are hardwired to find dopamine, like I said. Our senses are always kind of in hyper mode, uh, looking for something we're interested in. So we are naturally able to focus on something that provides us with a good level of dopamine. So it could be something that, like, intrigues us or excites us or, you know, creates any kind of, like, curiosity or strong emotional reaction. Um, I know this sounds silly, but I remember as a kid even really being drawn to strong flavors. Um, my aunt was the same way, actually. She would drink vinegar out of the little packets. Um, I actually noticed my youngest daughter does this too. She does that. Um, you know, pickle juice, um, various things. Like I I do remember as a child also really disliking melons. Like any kind of melon was so offensive to me because it tasted like it forgot it should have flavor. And it would just kind of make me like gag a little bit. Still, I'm not super huge on them, to be quite honest. Um, But that should give you kind of an idea of where our senses are at all the time and what's necessary to meet them where they are. You know, like I remember the first time I had um, a really, really sour candy. And I just remember being so blown away by how good that felt in my mouth, like how my whole body kind of responded to that sensation in my taste buds. So it's just interesting. Some people are really, you know, put off by that stuff. But my brain tends to want um, kind of an extreme or at least a high level of... um sensory input in whatever I'm doing so it's interesting that way but you could see also why some people are like really into um what's that one thing everyone's like murder um documentaries like serial killer documentaries that kind of stuff you know like podcasts about horrible criminals doing terrible things to people and because it intrigues them or it it in some way excites their nervous system like fear is something that kind of gets your heart rate going and makes you kind of feel more energized however having an interest-based nervous system also means that It's almost like we're repelled by the things that seem to deplete our dopamine. So since we have this subconscious kind of predisposition towards like what I like to call useful distraction uh, to create those happy feelings, we're also more vulnerable to feedback from everything around us. You know, we pick up on it more easily than people who can naturally maintain focus more easily so their senses are not on hyper alert, you know, and I think that's why when we walk into a room, or at least for me, when I walk into a room, I can get a sense of the kind of energy in there, whether it's sad or strained or um, frustrated, it's kind of within a few seconds at least to, you know, a minute or two, I can kind of get the sense without words being said of what's kind of going on, you know, or at least the energy behind it, you know? But also because of this, we can often struggle with overwhelm uh, and big, strong feelings that kind of come on really quickly and create really big emotions and outbursts. So emotional dysregulation, you know, the ability to kind of have control over your responses to external stimuli is a potentially big struggle for all of us, you know, because we're not only hypersensitive to everything around us, we also recognize how difficult it is for us to prioritize and complete things, right? executive functioning, being able to execute things properly because of the things pulling our attention away. So we're hypersensitive to all the things pulling our attention, but we're also kind of resentful, especially when you get to to be someone my age, a little bit resentful of the things pulling your attention, because you know they often get in the way of the things you quote unquote should be doing, right? So this can create a cycle within yourself of kind of allowing that pull away to create a little bit of dopamine, but then also fighting the sensory input, which exhausts us. So it kind of goes back and forth and back and forth until we kind of just finally abandon it. It's not intentional. It's just sort of like I, like I can't do this anymore. This this ping-pong battle between the things pulling my attention away from what I need to do and the thing I need to do causing such grief and shame in me. You know? And usually those things are the mundane but important life tasks that need doing, you know? So what's the fallout of this intuition for so many of us? I think probably even if we feel good or stimulated by what pulls our attention, you know, whatever it is, even if that makes us feel good or stimulated, we're often deeply confused or left deeply confused by how one often complex aspect of our lives feels easy for us. Because often that that um, intuition pulls us in a direction of something we're really good at, but which doesn't really seem to bring us success in life. Does that make sense? Like success in a society, meaning money or power or any kind of, um, what's the word? Um, uh, see, see, I sang, uh, quantifiable measure of success. You know, it doesn't often pull us in the direction of something like that. What it often does is pulls us in the direction of something that we find incredibly interesting and satisfying, okay? So if you're going to look at people like that, often you're going to see people who are artists or historians or... um People who might observe nature, right? Bird watching. Because it sounds ridiculous. You're going to say, like, bird watching. I've seen people do that. It takes hours. Inattentive ADHD doesn't mean we can't pay attention to anything. And that's why I call it a misnomer. Like, we can definitely lose ourselves for hours doing something if it's something that feeds our interest-based nervous system, right? Like I've gone hours doing something and forgetting, you know, and, and have forgotten to feed myself or, or drink any kind of <laughs> liquid that might, that might sustain life um, because I love it. But then I can't remember to do the laundry, so that my kids have clean clothes for tomorrow. You know, like there's just, that's the difference because that doesn't pull my interest. My sense, my five senses aren't in tune with like, oh, I want to do the laundry. That's like rational thought and I'm driven by like interest-based. So that's why my five senses are always going crazy. So we're often left kind of confused about how one aspect of our life can feel like we're master of something and so many other aspects of our life can can feel like we're failing at so many things. You know, like such as feeding ourselves regularly or maybe organizing and tidying our living spaces, responding to an email or a text in a timely manner. Like some of those things feel impossible to us. So there's often a very real and obvious contrast between some level of mastery in an area of our lives and some level of outright chaos in others. So I think this is why it can be hard for us to trust our intuition. Because we know we feel better and have more clarity when we can do the things which for us produce healthy dopamine but if and when we do because they create that happy hormone in us it can be difficult for us to pull ourselves away from it to shift our focus to other things which may be priorities in their own right you know Our intuition turns us in the direction of our own satisfaction. But sometimes our responsibilities pull us in the opposite direction. So it's like, what's that that game? Um, Where the two teams pull a rope? What's that called? Rope pull? (laughs) Is that what it's called? Why do I think it's called something like cooler than rope pull? I feel like it is. What is it? Tug of war. Thank you. It's like a tug of war, right? Between following our intuition towards what we know will bring us satisfaction and following our rational brains towards what we know we should be doing if we want to be responsible. So this can create a cycle of shame. Because what we like to do is often in conflict with what we need to do. So by the end of the typical day, you know, we might have a long list of chores we didn't do and a short list of tasks that kind of now seem silly and inconsequential in contrast, you know? And this is often what keeps us up at night. Truly, it is, right? We lie down and we go, oh my God, I forgot to call this person back. I forgot to, you know, transfer the laundry. I forgot to write that note to so-and-so. I forgot to clean out the lunch boxes out of their bags. And then you think like, what did I do today? And you're like oh, I made a playlist for a road trip I'm taking next week or I <laughs> sent hilarious memes and reels to friends on Instagram. I mean, that that's a little bit ridiculous, that one, but you know what I mean? Like, you're like, what did I do? And it's like, oh, right. <laughs> it kind of pales in comparison to what I should have done or, or what I've set out to do, you know? Many of us kind of learned early on not to fully trust our intuition because of this, you know? Because when we didn't do the things that make us responsible, like even as a kid, like, you know, I, I told you the story eons ago about forgetting my code at school on a November day and how many times I would forget, like I'm a, I am was a straight A student through elementary school and I would forget to bring in permission slips for trips. I would forget my lunch. I would, there was so many things I did that were in direct contrast with other parts of my life. And so, we often get told, or I often got told, I guess, I was too forgetful or careless was a word I heard a lot. So we kind of internalized that to believe that there was something wrong with the way we do things, the way we do life, I guess, right? Like, it's like, how can I be trying so hard And still be so forgetful and so um, irresponsible and careless. So there must be something wrong with how I do life. And what happens when you start to think that is you start to purposefully ignore your intuition. You know, you start to think like, okay... And this is all, like I said to you, subconscious and unintentional, but you start to, (sighs) first of all, either try to ignore your intuition or believe what other people say about you. Like, oh, you're so forgetful. You're so good. And you're thinking like, yeah, I am. I am. That's just who I am. I have a character flaw and it is that I am unreliable, always late, always forgetting things. And so you stop living by your inner compass because you think your inner compass is wrong or misguided. And instead, and I'm going to borrow from Martha Beck here, you start living by consensus. Either by always trying to do what others say is right, Or by basing your merit on your inability to follow through in in doing just that. And the thing about intuition, though, is that it doesn't go away. And so the older I've gotten, the more I'm realizing the harder (laughs) it's getting to ignore. And suddenly I'm in my mid-40s and I'm wondering, wait, who am I? You know, why do I feel so lost? And I think that happens to a lot of us with ADHD because we've learned or we've at least absorbed The idea that how we do life is wrong. And so if and when we make big life decisions, we learn that other people know better than we do. And what happens when you do that, what happens when you live by the consensus of other people's ideas for you is that, yeah, you can have a relatively happy, successful life in quantifiable measures. But eventually, I think you get to a point where, you know, milestones slow down for you or measures of success kind of stop happening because, you know, you're in your mid-40s. You're not getting married or buying a home or having a first job or you know even a even a career change. It's kind of like you're in this place of limbo where you're not defined by the things you do. Instead you start to kind of turn inward and say, okay, what do I do now with life? What journey do I take now to provide me with some kind of sense of purpose and suddenly you're like I don't even know if I've ever done this I don't know if I've ever really looked inward and asked myself any questions about purpose or sense of self or who I really am And I think the cost of ignoring your intuition is that eventually your intuition just sort of revolts against you. And you don't really have a choice because you start to You start to peel away the layers of your life that you've built around doing things because other people say it's the right thing to do. And when you start to peel away those layers, you start to examine relationships. You know, friendships become really, really interesting to navigate when you start to recognize what you've been willing to sacrifice to remain friends with someone versus what you truly want and value in friendship. And the same can be said for almost any facet of your life. And maybe this isn't just an ADHD thing. Maybe this is a midlife crisis or maybe it's both. I don't know. But if anything resonated with you today, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know... If you're having some kind of reckoning within yourself now and if you think it has to do with a woman's responsibility to herself and her inner knowing and how we have been called to kind of grapple with that at the very least Thanks for listening so much. I hope you all are doing so well and that nothing but good comes for you today. I love you. Bye.